Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Hey, we just want to say thank you for making this message a part of your week. Our prayer is that these messages will inspire you to make the name of Jesus famous in your life and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we'd love for you to visit our tribe fam in person. To learn more about us, you can find us online or at Facebook by searching tribejh.com. Good morning. I'll give you a few extra moments to get there, but if you have your Bible, would you find and click on the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on what church you grew up in? Thank you. How many of you come from a Habakkuk church? How many of you come from a Habakkuk church? How many of you come from a church that didn't ever read from that book? <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> How many of you don't come from church? <clears throat> Glad that you're here today. I usually find the book of Matthew and then I hang a left. But don't ever be afraid to go to that table of contents at the front of your Bible to look it up. I think that's great. Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to be in, we're going to read a few verses together. And I want to give you just really quick background on where we've been and what we're going to talk about today. And if you if you were here last week or the last couple of weeks, as we get into January of 2024, I feel like the Lord put a word on my heart as the primary communicator from the stage at Tribe, uh, the lead pastor of Tribe, a word on my heart for our Tribe family and I don't presume to, to, to say that I hear from the Lord to speak for broader than just this beautiful gathering of people. But I do think that it has greater and broader implications than just for our tribe family. So I would expand this to say this word is for whomever has ears to hear. And last week, we talked about how I feel like the Lord put on our heart for 2024 that this would be the year of an increasing, an exponential increase of complexity just with the world. And everybody said, "Uh, (laughs) great. But simultaneously, an, an increase in clarity. And I mean that at the macro level and also at the personal micro level. Maybe there's, maybe there has been like some, like some fog or some haze or, you know, when your windshield is not quite clean yet, but you got to get in the car and go anyways. I know nobody here would ever drive like that, but you know, other people. And you're just, you're, you can't quite see, but you can see well enough. Well, as 
the world gets increasingly more complex, I believe in the deepest place of my heart that simultaneously, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, that there will also be a one-for-one increase of clarity in your life, an increase of clarity of the gospel, an increase of clarity of like tribe's purpose, mission and vision, an increase of clarity of things that you have been chewing on, maybe even just in your own personal study. And wouldn't it be great if we could just get the clarity without the complexity? How many of you remember that that cartoon? I don't know if it was just in the Sunday funnies. Ooh, who remembers the Sunday funnies? The funny papers. Um, what was the uh, family circus? Family circus and, you know, like the, the son has a flower and he's like, ouch. I know they, they weren't the first to say it, but he's like, ouch. And he's holding his finger and he's like, man, why do these... Roses have to have thorns. And then the mom, who's always just so amazing, she's like, aren't you so glad that these thorns have roses? Like, just because of the world that we live in, you get roses, but there are also plenty of thorns out there. And for the clarity, it usually comes in the midst of complexity. Why does God do that? We could talk a lot about that. But it's part of just the way that he operates and rolls. The Bible says that the people of Israel knew God's ways. Like whenever they would get hungry and they would complain and he would feed them. When they would get thirsty and in their parched throats grumble and complain against Moses and Joshua and Aaron. And then he would provide water out of a rock of all places. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that Israel knew God's ways, but Moses knew his character. And as we experience greater complexity in 2024, I want us to be a community of people that instead of throwing their hands up or giving up or, or, or being swept along with the tide of complexity of whatever that may be, I want us to be people who have sobriety of mind to be able to say, ooh, I'm experiencing increased level of complexity in my life around the world. That must mean that there is some clarity in here somewhere. So last week, we we talked about clarity in the midst of complexity. And then we ended by talking about, well, how can we maintain that clarity? And last week we said, we we talked about the principle of just simplicity. That as we, as life gets busier, we need to find more bandwidth. As things accelerate, we need to slow down. And as we simplify... It helps us to clarify in the midst of complexity. And honestly, I thought I was going to be done last week, but we have part two this week, and I think there's going to be a part three. And everybody said, 
You guys, you guys are good. You're really good to the, to the person up here. <clears throat> Speaking of being good to the person up here, wasn't worship awesome this morning? Ooh, so good. Thank you, worship team. Must have been that boom you brought. The boom. The Holy Spirit can't resist that boom. Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer. I don't have it on the screen, so just have to listen. Modern civilization is so complex as to make the devotional life all but impossible. The need for solitude and quietness was never greater than it is today. Simplicity. So that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to continue the conversation and we're going to look at another example of a a story or a time in the Bible where there was complexity and we're going to look to see we're going to look to see the clarity in the midst of that complexity. And I told you to turn to what book? Habakkuk. So we're going to read just a few verses to start. And we have a microphone in the room. Does Kat have that? All right, Kat has the microphone. And one of the things that we like to do here at Tribe we like to read God's word together, not like simultaneously. That sounds, that feels like way too churchy. But we take turns, we read the Bible. We also try to foster a, an environment of dialogue instead of just a monologue up here. And so, Phil, I love to hear your questions, comments, connections. If there's something that, that you feel like is like, Dramain to the topic of what we are, are discussing. All you have to do is put your hand up and cat with their eagle eyes in the back of the room will get the mic to you. And the reason why we use the mic is it does help in this room, but we have a lot of families that tune in regularly to the live stream and it allows them to hear and better participate with what's going on wherever they're watching the live stream from. So that's why we do the mic. But would you start us off in verse 1, and we're only going to read to verse 4. I guess you could tackle the whole thing. Habakkuk 3, 1 through 4, please. Okay. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with His praise. His coming is, a brilliant, is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from His hands where His awesome power is hidden. Ooh. If you don't have that one underlined, bracketed, starred, that's a good one to chew on and meditate. There's so much to mine and pull out of there. But what I'd like to do is go to one more additional passage that helps provide some depth and relief and not necessarily contrast as in conflicting, but add some contrast so that the subject of what we're talking about stands out in greater relief. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So what we just read, keep that spun up. And let's turn to the book of Isaiah. So hang a left. These two passages are related. And as we read this next passage in Isaiah, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to read it looking for 
thematic connections or similarities or elaborations on a theme? Like what sort of themes, what kind of connections can you make between the two passages? All right. How does this passage connect with that passage? There could be some grammar. It could be themes or something else. So do you have your investigator glasses on? Let's read Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1 through 8, and you can hand the mic off. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1 through 8. Kate's got it. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals. Where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Hmm. Uh, would you read that last sentence? Who, what? Um, yeah. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Boy, I feel like, boy, that's really preaching to me. <laughs> Even though you're dumb, dumb, he's not going to let you get too far in the ditch. Woo, and all the dumb, dumbs in the room said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> all right, I knew I was in good company. <clears throat> um, I thought I would just share that, yeah, this morning at the coffee shop, I was um, reading Isaiah 35, and yeah, I wrote down, uh, eight through ten. So. Are you serious? Yeah. So. Whoa. But not too significant. But. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. Okay. We got something going here. Was that in between Surfer Magazine articles, Mark? <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> okay. Now it's time to. Think and consider. There is, there, 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 there is a place that I'm going for, that I am looking for, but don't try to answer this question in terms of what do I think Pastor Brian wants to hear? I'm, I'm not interested in a Sunday school answer, right? What I'm interested in is to see what you pulled out of those two passages that you can connect. There is some similarity. There is some, some, uh, some thematic similarities and connections. And I, and I want to see if you can see where I'm going. So 
Consider these two. Look at them. And what do you see? While you're thinking, I even see some chin scratching. Ooh, you know that that's deep thinking. Let me give you just a really quick uh, peek behind the curtain. The method to my madness. Remember in The Wizard of Oz where the man pulling the levers did not want to be exposed behind the curtain. And he said, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain because little Toto goes back there. In, in a, I, I think there's a lot of mysticism. Like, like the guy up here is like supposed to be like better than anybody like out there. Y'all know that's not me. Um, but here's the method to my madness. I want you sitting there to see what happens up here and be like, oh, I, I can see that. I, I could do that. I want you to feel empowered. And that's also why I invite you to participate so that, so that maybe cumulatively for the season that the Lord has you at tribe, whether that's just at the end of the ski season or longer, that, that somehow, some way, your needle would be moved to think that guy, he's, he's not that special. I could do what he could do. And maybe you would even say, I could do it better than he could do. Great, fantastic. I'll splash you with anointing oil. And you, I, I do mean this, like really honestly, like I want to get behind you, celebrate you, cheer for you. And you go start your own fellowship church, whatever, like, go, that would just be, that would like, that would just be awesome. Have you ever sat under a pastor that was so brilliant, you were like, you walked out saying, that was so brilliant, I could never do that. They're very gifted, but that, but, but I want to empower you to go and do. Okay, that was the end of the little mini sermon. Yeah? Yeah, go and do, go and do, go and do. What thematically are you seeing? What connections between these two passages are you seeing? Just raise your hand and Kat will get you the mic. Uh, how about Amanda up here? Thank you. Um, the connection I see is with the, the physical earth. Um, in it, Let's see. In brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. And then we see in Isaiah, it's like the earth itself is preparing a way for the Lord by what it's doing. So I just picture all the beauty of the natural earth and how it itself is not human, yet it prepares. And there's other scriptures too, but that's what stuck out to me. Whoa. This is the other reason why I like to do this, because I get stuff from y'all that I would not have seen on my own. So there is a physical reaction from the planet earth when what happens in preparation for you just just tell me amanda in preparation for the lord's coming okay Ooh. all right that's really good what else do you see similarities maybe thematically or or grammar or concept yeah i mean habakkuk um verse six it says oh is that better? There we go. Um, yeah, verse 6, at the end it says, His ways are everlasting. 
And then as Isaiah talks about a highway shall be there, and I just see the connection, God's ways and the highway. And there's an invitation to walk that highway. And, and sometimes it is actually a physical walking out, and sometimes it's metaphorical, but I think there really is a physical action we need to do with reference to what you're oh. talking about. To, to it, when the complexity, it, it, there is a simple path we can walk through, through it, and that leads to everlasting. Oh, that's so good. A physical reaction of planet Earth and a, a pathway for traveling. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited to see the display of his glory the splendor both verses in verse 3 in Habakkuk it says his brilliant splendor fills the heavens yes oh that that is so good splendor and and glory yeah and then in Isaiah it says there will the Lord will display his glory the splendor of our God and something in that just makes me think I mean I know I'm reading into this but it just must bring him such joy to do that. Like thinking about what it's like for him preparing to do that, his heart in that. Mm, I love that. Uh, you're on it. You're on it. So I'm a, I'm a physical therapist and uh, I was in school and we had this little th- meeting once a week so we could all try to survive. We try to get in the word and I don't know, I think I just stumbled across this but it's, the, it's Isaiah 35, 3. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. And we're just talking about, like, that's PT, you know? Like, that's PT. Uh, but I think the scripture is encouraging us. And then it says, be, you know, tell, tell people with fearful, fearful hearts. Reach out to people with physical needs. Reach out to people with uh, fear. And so the, the word encourages us. And then we can go encourage the world around us to get ready for Jesus, because it's awesome. And, yes. Yes, because it's awesome. Uh, Kate back there, and then Caden, I think. Boy, I love this. Um, what's, what's sticking out to me is um, in Isaiah 4, um, it says, Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. But then it goes on, it says, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf. And in Habakkuk, it talks about, Lord, in your wrath, remember your mercy. And just that idea that though we might see, as you're talking, complexity or things that we don't understand around us, like that God remembers mercy in the midst of his wrath and that he will come with the healing and he will come and make the road straight, and make a pathway for us to walk on. That's, that's a huge difference, being able to see that in Scripture, and then being able to look for it and see it playing out. That, I would say, is a huge mark of maturity that distinguishes an immature Christian from a mature Christian. We are all children of God, but it's only the sons and daughters of God that will inherit the kingdom. And when we're able to reach that place of maturity, it positions us to be men and women who are able to transmit peace 
and wisdom and confidence and authority. And in a world of complexity, people desperately need those. So mine's actually the same passage as her, but the, when it says God comes with a vengeance, I just find it encouraging that we serve a God who's not like passive. Um, he really has a lot of power and he cares about us and he's, he's coming for us. So. Mm. Okay, we've said this a couple of times, but these, these two passages, they're, they're from prophetic books of the Bible. And as these guys were writing, some of the things that they were writing, they were, they were foretelling of future events. But as we read them now today, some of those events have already unfolded. Does that make sense? Some of these events that they wrote about 25, 3,500 years ago have yet to unfold. So this, and I've heard you touch on it, but let's just all get on the same page. These two passages are in reference to what event? The Lord's return. Okay, cool. How do you know? What do you see in the text that gives you some measure of confidence that this A has to do with the return of the Lord and B, that hasn't happened yet? Lanisha's got her hand up, and everybody else was like, Phew. In Isaiah 35, verse 4, what was just read, Say to them that are a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. There you go. And he came first for salvation. He didn't come with vengeance just yet. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful analysis of the grammar of the text. Yes, that is great. How about in Habakkuk? Oh, Sarah being brave. Um, in verse 4, it says, His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand, where his power was hidden. So it's like alluding to like he was and is coming again. Ah, he was and is coming again. Now, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, have we got to see rays of light flash from his hands physically? No, because that would make him... Thank you. <clears throat> Leave it to the mother of all boys. I was looking for Hux to help me out with that, but... You're busy navigating. <clears throat> Iron Man. Iron Man. Well, there goes my voice. <clears throat> we have yet to see physical rays of light coming from his hands where his power is hidden. But there are, if you read carefully, there are numerous clues that these two passages reference the second coming of the Lord. Now, here's what I saw that was common, and Amanda touched on it, um, Ian touched on it, this idea of the second coming of the Lord, but the manner and way in which he returns. And what is that manner or method or way that he returns? Yes, we know 
Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. You know, yes, we know that. But we have some additional color and detail in these two passages. What do you see? Okay, yes. Oh, fame. Fame. Oh, my gosh. Verse 2, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. But yours says fame. Mine says, Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Wow. Repeat them on your day in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Wow. So fame. Okay, so these things will accompany him. I'm, I'm trying not to give it away, but I want to I lead you along. The, the manner or method in which he returns. If his glory is being displayed in the heavens, it suggests he's coming. So it's referencing when it talks about Jesus' return. And he says, when he leaves, he says, you'll be coming, he'll be coming the same way as when he left. So he ascended, which means he's coming back from the heavens. That's his glory filling the heavens. Yes. Okay. Yes, you are correct. But we want to get a, we want to wring a few more um, beautiful details out of it that's in this passage. You're on the right track. Uh, what was standing in, in, in his coming is that in uh, Isaiah 35, towards the bottom half there, verse 2, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Yeah. There will be no mistaking. Mm-hmm. Before the servant of the Lord did not come in the fullness of his glory. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. But when he does return this time, gonna everyone going to know. There will be no mistaking that the king of Zion, the eternal everlasting God, is here. Verse 3 of Habakkuk is, 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 the big, is a big clue. <clears throat> Go. I was just going to tag on to that. Um, either I made this up or I did a study one time, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I hope it's true. Um, in Isaiah 35, 2, when it says there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy, I think there's like a deep dive of that word, which means the day of reversal. So it's like us getting to be with the Lord and while he had the millennial reign and we get to restore the earth. And so again, like this physical beauty, it talks about like the joy that's there is the anchor for what's to come. And like the little glimpses, my brain goes to like the little glimpses of beauty and joy we see here on this earth are incomparable to what we'll see. But it's just like, it's an anchor that we get to hang on to Mm. for like a prom, like the Holy Spirit is a promise of what's to come, but also God is so good and loves us so much and cares about so much detail. He brings us actual joy and I see it as an anchor for what's to come. Ooh, I love that. I love that. Oh, here comes Shuler. Bouncing off of what Amanda's saying, saying about the joy and the beauty and the earth responding, I think of Song of Solomon and the bride and her groom and the earth. If you read Song of Solomon, it's like the oils, the hills, they're dancing, they're leaping creation. It's flourishing, the fragrances, all of it Yes, is like a shadow of this absolute marriage. Marriage. <clears throat> 
two, two, yes, and two significant corollary themes that I see. Number one, the manner in which he returns. Look at verse three. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran. We read that and we think that it's only prophetic symbolism. But what if there was a layer of physicality to the actual return of Jesus? Similar to Song of Solomon. Who is this coming up out of the desert, leaning on her lover? Numerous places throughout the Old Testament prophecies. We see a picture of Jesus returning. We all know that the manner in which he left is the manner where he will return. And he'll set foot on Mount of Olives, I believe it says in either Ezekiel or or Zechariah, that he'll set foot on the Mount of Olives. But what if him setting foot on the Mount of Olives is not his first touchstone back to planet Earth? What if his arrival captivates the attention of all of Israel because his arrival mirrors the way that God appeared to the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai? And that there will be a royal procession of Jesus coming up through the desert with rescued Israel, saints that have died, those that are alive when the Lord returns and get their resurrected bodies, and they join Jesus as he is the head of the commander of the armies of the Lord, accompanied by the saints, sweeping in through the desert. Read verse 3. I see God moving across the deserts of Eden. We see this again in Isaiah. Even the wilderness and the desert. Oh, ding, ding, ding will be glad in those days, that phrase, in those days, in that day, in the great day, in the great and terrible day. All of that is is literary connections that should create a hyperlink in our brain to the great and terrible day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's return. There is a moment of the Lord's return, but then there's also a season and a procession of the Lord's return. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers, of singing and joy. Imagine, for just a second, as Jesus marches up, I don't know, will he be riding like, like with his little head poking out like of a tank? Will he be on a white horse? Will he be walking? I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But it says that as in his wake, Flowers are blooming. The hills are singing and rejoicing. 
The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. The parched ground will become a pool. Springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grasses and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. And a great road will go through that once deserted land, and it will be named the Highway of Holiness. Let me show you um, a map of what we're talking about. There's a map. Okay, everybody oriented, you know where we are? Nod your head like this. Okay, good. So, prophetic passages talk about when Jesus returns, that he comes up, sweeping up through the desert. We can see Egypt. We know more or less the route that they took when they left Egypt. Let me, let me walk over here. Uh, can I have the mic? If you're listening to the... If you listen to the audio podcast, you won't get the benefit of this. This is like the mainland of Egypt here. This is what's known as the Sinai Peninsula, but it is also a part of Egypt. Israel, in the Exodus, they left. They came down through here. They crossed at the uh, Nueva, which is in the Gulf of Aqaba, into Saudi Arabia. Mount Sinai is over here. And then they traveled up through here and into the promised land. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Okay, good. Now, these passages, the wilderness of Paran, up through the desert, this sweeping, give me the arrow. <laughs> In a similar way, in a similar way that Moses led the nation of Israel up through the wilderness after a quick 40-year detour. The Bible prophesies that when Jesus returns, he very well may appear in the clouds, poof, where airplanes live, and, and, and set foot right there on, on the Mount of Olives. Maybe. I mean, that's, that's indisputable. That's what the text says. But there are a lot of prophecies that say that there will be more of a procession of Jesus with captives and um, Israeli refugees that have fled from intense persecution, that have sought shelter out in the wilderness of what is the country of Jordan and down near Elat in southern Israel, that, that whole area right there. But what about this pathway or a highway of holiness? Like, does that exist right now? A little bit of a trick question. Has anybody heard of the One Israel Project? You have heard of the One Israel Project. The One Israel Project was announced by Benjamin Netanyahu, Netanyahu's prime minister of Israel, he wants to connect uh, the north of Israel down with Elat, the southern Israel, by high-speed train. 
so that you can get from the north to the south in under two hours. Woohoo, great. But as he was, it's a hundred billion shekel project. This is in the news, like you can Google this, y'all. But in his announcement, he also said that they're in talks and making plans with the country of Saudi Arabia to connect Riyadh in places in Saudi Arabia all the way up through Israel into Tel Aviv for a port for an overland trade route so that things aren't restricted just to the, uh, uh, the Gulf in the Red Sea. What is that? What is that? Um, what is that canal called? So there, uh, yes, you're right. So you want to see where that railway is projected to go? Do you have the next picture? A highway through the wilderness. 3,500 years ago, Isaiah, Habakkuk, others saw a highway, a pathway through the wilderness leading back to Israel. In the history of the world, there has ne- there have been like trade routes and like camel routes and little dirt two tracks, but not a highway. In the history of the world, this has never been thought of or proposed, but it is literally in the works now. And some would suggest that 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 um, Abraham Accord and the normalizing of relationships between Saudi Arabia and Israel, that other Arab League nations have sought to disrupt the progress and advancement between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And so they kicked up some dust with October 7th. I share this with you to illustrate the fact that what, when you read in the Bible, may seem as who knows when the Lord is going to return. And it could be a hundred years from now. It could be a thousand years from now. It, It could be. And yes, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return. But Jesus, right on the heels of that in Matthew 24, commands us to know what? The season in which he returns. If if you've held on to that, like, well, no man knows the day or the hour, you need to abandon that and educate yourself. You need revelation from the Lord because he commands us to know the season. And each time I say it, I grow in a little bit of confidence by saying that I believe that we are in the generation of the Lord's return. And this just gives me that much more confidence. Highway is being constructed. Happens to be a railway, but can you blame Isaiah or Habakkuk? Like, they didn't know. (laughs) 
clarity. We see clarity. Shouts of joy and singing and praise. The Lord's return. Spring flowers blooming. Woohoo! Unmistakable, unrecognizable. But clarity usually comes in the midst of what? Complexity. So we need to go back to Habakkuk and see the aperture open up a little bit. And I want you to see, we've been talking about the clarity, 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 because I want you to see that. But now let's see the greater context of complexity in which these events unfold. Back to Habakkuk. And with the mic, would somebody read verses 5 through 19? Pestilence marches before him. Pause. We all like the clarity. Ain't nobody likes the complexity. Pestilence marches before him. Pestilence. What is pestilence? Disease. Disease, calamity, like chaos. Let's keep reading. Plague follows close behind. Ah. (sighs) Keep going. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kushan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were setting chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, Even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Why do you need to be sure-footed unless the trail is rocky and the terrain is complex? You said a moment ago that his second coming will be unmistakable, and you are totally right. However, many people will be confused by it. They will see pestilence 
and plagues and tremors and shaking. It will be unmistakable, but even those in the church will be confused. This is why I feel like the word of the Lord is for us today to learn how to identify and to get clarity in the midst of complexity. We must grow in maturity so that when the world around, the wheels are falling off, and even for those in the church, when the tendency will just be to throw up the deuce and be like, that's it, I'm out. There will be a remnant, there will be a a company of people, of men and women, who have trained themselves through the study of the Word and the revelation from the Holy Spirit to be able to say, Woo, it's getting real complex out here. And at the same time, there's increasing clarity in their hearts. Because you are right, Schuler. The second coming of the Lord will be unmistakable, but many will be confused by it because they will only see Habakkuk 3, 5 through 19. Okay. How does this apply to our life Monday morning as we start to land the plane? All right. I'm, I'm not going to be on the, the, like, the planning commission for the railway. I don't even want to be a part of the homeowners association in my neighborhood. Like, <laughs> the railway is coming. will be built within our lifetime. But what does this have to do with my life today? Remember I said that I see two common themes. The, the, the first one is the, the, the pathway, the manner in which he travels to return. That was the first one. The second, and we touched on it a few different places. The two, the second common theme is found in verse 1 of Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2 of Isaiah 35. You can go back and look at it. And this is the takeaway for today. Isaiah takes his prayer and he sings it. That's what he says in verse 1 of Habakkuk chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 2 talks about singing praise and the hills will erupt in praise. What is the Monday morning takeaway application for whatever complexity that you might find yourself in? Clarity comes through worship. Clarity comes through worship. I don't know how I can see a way out of this. Maybe you should stop or pause all your figuring and scheming and plotting and and spreadsheets and crunching the numbers has its place. I would suggest to you that of greater value would just be to stop 
and to praise Him. And watch if clarity doesn't begin to emerge. Now listen, 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 listen. Here's what I don't want you to to do. Okay, I'm in this trouble, you know, I'm trying to figure out, wrap my brain around something. Either something you got yourself into or something that has been handed to you. I'm not saying that if you just like, you know, turn on some like Maverick City worship and you give it two songs on volume 10 that all of a sudden a brilliant solution to your problem will come. What I am saying is this. When the Lord speaks to you, it might not have anything to do with your current issue or problem. And in fact, that's usually how I've seen the Lord work in my life. He's like, oh my goodness, you've you've taken a few moments to stop worrying about you, 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 you. You've come to me and asked what's on my heart. Here's what I want to talk about. That's what happened to Habakkuk. He was all, he was like all bent out of shape about what Israel was doing in his day and age. And he turns to the Lord in prayer, Lord, these people of yours. And then God says, oh, let me show you. And he takes him 3,500 years into the future for events that haven't even unfolded in our day. The worst case scenario, when you take time to enter into worship with him, the worst case scenario is that he won't show you a thing about what it is that you're going through, but he will give you a beautiful glimpse into who he is. And that's not even the worst. That right there is is beautiful and satisfactory. Clarity comes through worship. Last little anecdote, and then we're going to see if the Holy Spirit will help us to make that 18-inch drop from our thinker down to our knower, what we've talked about today. Recently, Lissa had to make an IF run, and uh, on her way back, uh, bad storm, like, yeah, it's winter around here that they happen. You can see how much sympathy I got. Should have gone in December when it was so dry. Uh, but uh, on the on the truck, one of the windshield wipers like decided like to stop working. And like her visibility like got or like like down to like really small. And as I was preparing this message I felt like like that is a picture of what somebody could be going through. Normally you are accustomed to or you operate with with clear windshield full of visibility. And today you find yourself maybe in the midst of a storm, but you've got reduced visibility and you're kind of like hunkered over and, and you're looking through and you in the midst of the complexity of your situation you are looking for clarity the Holy Spirit would say to you instead of trying to drive with your foot on the gas at 60 miles an hour in your hand out on the windshield working the ice scraper that's not what Lisa did close <laughs> stop Stop and just come into my presence, the Lord would say, and sit at my feet and just worship me. 
quit swinging your sword to fight your battles. But make much of my name and of my fame, the Lord would say, and watch how I will fight your battles for you. And I feel like the Lord would even say right now, in spoiler alert, I might fight the battle, do the thing, bring the resolution, and you might not even have clarity until hindsight, until it's after all said and done. I can't give you that clarity right now because baby girl, I know you and you'll mess it up. Let me just go ahead and do this for you. And then in hindsight, I will give you clarity and you will see my hand throughout all of this. But clarity will come through worship. Would that be all right if I prayed for you? And just before I pray, I want to let you know that uh, at the table at one of the booths right back there Lee and Colleen would you wave your hands and Kate and John Mickus wave your hands they would and Lanisha they would love to pray for you if there's anything that you need prayer for they would love to pray for you now I'm gonna pray for you all right Lord Jesus thank you for loving us thank you for being committed to us as a good father you love us as children but you invite us to this place of maturity where we can be sons and daughters entrusted with the inheritance of the kingdom to be people of clarity in the midst of complexity. I pray that over our tribe fam in, in regionally and globally in the body of Christ and also in people's own personal lives. Jesus, as they press into you and worship you, would you release clarity into their life? I pray these things in Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And everybody said, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here, sharing a part of your weekend with us. I love you. And Huxley, remember, you got this.